Welcome to Naturally Happy, the radio show and podcast. I'm Dr. Vidya Reddy. Are you ready to ignite your life? Because it's time to foster your happiness, your relationships, and your health. If you want to live with more passion, experience more freedom, and of course have so much fun, you're in the right place. So close your eyes, open your ears, and your heart, and join me on your journey to living happy naturally. Hello, and welcome back to the Naturally Happy Podcast. I'm Dr. Vidya Reddy. I'm so excited to have all of you here. And if you're passionate about your personal and spiritual growth and finding happiness, and to have access to education, tools, resources, and a community that can help you do better, then listen closely. I've got a secret for you. You don't have to struggle for years to live a purposeful, happy life. The way to transform your life into the life of your dreams is to find clarity, focus, and taking intentional steps. I look forward to helping you become more passionate, driven about finding your purpose and happiness. Get ready to step into your greatness and genius and finally see the results that you deserve. If you're ready to be the best version of yourself, I'm delighted to be on this journey with you. So let's dive into today's topic, but I feel like I need to issue a huge warning for this week's episode. There's a dangerous element making the rounds these days. It's an infectious disease that's taking a huge toll on the well-being of a lot of us everywhere. And these symptoms include cringing at the thought of saying no, obsessing about what others think of you, deathly afraid of disappointing people, chronic apologizing, nagging guilt after making small requests, emotional caretaking of others, usually at the expense of your own happiness, and withholding thoughts and feelings in order to avoid conflict, and feeling like an utter doormat. You might be wondering at this point exactly what the diagnosis might be. It's what I call the people-pleaser-itis, the disease to please others. Of course, everyone has some people-pleasing tendencies. Who doesn't want people to like them or make their parents proud? And as social beings, it's in our nature to prioritize getting along with others given that our survival and success depends on it. But for many of us, the feeling of needing approval is so pervasive, it does more harm than good. Now, don't get me wrong. Flexibility and cooperation are important character strengths that are worthy of time and attention. But there's a fine and absolutely critical line between healthy, pro-social behaviors that contribute to personal growth and desperate people-pleasing patterns that result in emotional depletion and resentment. So, let's start at the beginning. What are some of the root causes of people-pleasing? Number one is conflict avoidance. I see this pattern frequently in many of us, especially in women particularly. And I believe this is a byproduct of two other foundational problems. From a young age, girls are often taught to be good girls, always be agreeable, keep your opinions to yourself, 
put others first and subsequently cultural messages consistently reinforce that women shouldn't make waves, but instead should go along to get along. This subservient mentality combined with a serious lack of conflict resolution skills has created a generation of women who will do anything to avoid disrupting the status quo. Another root problem of people-pleaser-itis is fear of disconnection. We human beings are hardwired for love, connection, and belonging. When we successfully meet those needs, we're better equipped to maximize our full potential and take healthy risks necessary for growth. Conversely, when we feel disconnected, unloved, and socially isolated, our sense of worthiness takes a deep nosedive. It's no surprise then when we eventually shy away from behaviors that might put us at risk for rejection, for example, in saying no to people or activities that are damaging, drawing non-negotiable boundaries, speaking up with an unpopular opinion, letting go of what other people think, etc., etc. In seeking to avoid the pain and shame of disconnection, people-pleasing often becomes a default strategy for self-preservation. Now, let's move on to another cause of the disease to please others is poor self-awareness. After years of chronic people-pleasing and suppressing internal desires, many people, especially women, are no longer in touch with their true wants and needs. And worse yet, I often see people who no longer believe that their opinions, perspectives, needs are even worthy of attention or even consideration and feel selfish prioritizing their own well-being. This is particularly important because we teach people how to treat us. When we convey to others that our needs don't matter, they will act accordingly. Ultimately, we end up feeling taken advantage of and unimportant in the eyes of others. So let's go beyond people-pleaser-itis. When people-pleasing goes unchecked for extended periods of time, it can result in damaging codependency. In a codependent relationship, a person restricts his or her behavior in order to attain the other's approval of love, even if it's not in the best interest of his or her long-term well-being. Codependents have a deep dilemma between feeling anxious and guilty if they set limits and feeling resentful when they don't. When a person believes that they need to please another person, especially to gain his or her love and approval, the initial balance relationship quickly changes from interdependent to codependent. In this extreme form, the trap of people-pleasing can even lead to maintaining unfulfilling or abusive relationships, as well as submitting to or performing self-defeating behaviors, such as self-starvation, substance abuse, sexually acting out, and etc. So how do we combat the dangerous consequences of perpetually putting others first? Here are a few strategies for getting your emotional health back on track. Number one, trust your inner compass. We often have a gut instinct about how we want to deal with a person or situation, but people-pleaser-itis often derails us from what we know is in our best interest. 
People pleasers automatically ignore this instinct or sometimes fail to even recognize it at all and look to others for answers. Practice noticing, listening to, and honoring that deep inner voice as soon as you hear it. Number two, practice self-assertion. This can be a big hurdle, so start small. For example, if you want to go to a specific restaurant or movie, speak up and express your preference. Eventually, you'll realize that you don't disappoint others as often as you might predict. And even if you do occasionally disappoint someone, it isn't the end of the world. You might even learn that your opinion is useful to and valued by others. Self-assertion is like a muscle. It gets stronger and easier to use by exercising it regularly. Number three, ask the right questions. People pleasers are used to asking themselves questions like, what will they think of me if, or what will make my friends, family, teachers, or even co-workers the happiest? In moderation, these questions lead to answers to promote pro-social behaviors. In excess, they lead to chronic self-sacrifice. Indeed, practice asking questions like, what do I need right now to get my needs met? What would I tell a friend to do in this situation? And how will my well-being be impacted if I don't speak my truth? These questions are designed to refocus attention on personal needs and truths that can motivate us to make self-honoring choices. Number four, learn to tolerate, then welcome, and maybe even seek the disapproval of others. This one is easier said than done, I know. Start by learning to tolerate slight social disapproval in low-stakes situations, like expressing your preference of a movie or a restaurant. As you progress and fear disapproval less, practice welcoming it as an opportunity to free yourself from the approval addiction mindset. Focus on the advantages of disapproval and occasionally even challenge yourself to seek these. Things like healthy debate, teaching someone something that you know, practice self-expression, learning to assert yourself, and broadening your point of view through even exchanges. Number five, cultivate conflict resolution skills. Conflict is a natural and necessary part of life. Learning to effectively navigate conflict can build self-esteem, deepen self-awareness, and facilitate personal growth. Let's take a moment and go through them. Heal, H-E-A-L, is a simple four-step acronym for effective conflict resolution. Let's take a moment and go through these. H is for halt. Take a second. Take a deep breath, take a minute, or take a whole day to think before you act. Emotions run high when you're upset, and impulsivity never helps to heal a conflict. Take the time to think through your next move. What is this conflict really about? What do you want to say? When and where would be the most effective time to talk? E is for explain. Calmly explain why you're upset or hurt. Be specific as possible. Use I statements, 
in order to express your feelings. For example, I feel confused and hurt when you're nice to me outside of work but exclude me at lunch. A is for accept. Acknowledge and ask. Accept responsibility for where you have contributed to the conflict. Acknowledge the other person's feelings. Ask for what you need. What needs to change in order for you to feel satisfied and complete? Now, L is for lock and a let go. Decide how you want to proceed with your relationship. Do you want to lock it in and let go of the conflict? Or do you want to lock it out and let go of the relationship? And you may need to decide this after you speak to the person. Now, let's go on to number six. Reframe from selfish to self-honoring. People pleasers tend to believe that prioritizing their needs is selfish. But if we ignore our needs for too long, we wind up feeling resentful, frustrated, and uncared for. The truth is that tuning into and respecting our needs is a self-honoring act. This is a critical reframe that can help people pleasers to shift out of guilt around expressing their truth and into empowerment by asking what they need in the moment. I sometimes playfully call it the dis-ease to please because it's not really a disease, right? Or is it? Why is it that we can't stop ourselves from overly pleasing others? It can be sickening how far we'll go to help others but not take the time and the energy to properly care for our own selves. We want others to be happy so badly that we put our self-care, priorities, workload, or dreams to the side. We believe that if we make others happy, then we'll be happy. This is really sad and unfortunately very true. This is the dis-ease to please. Are you curious if you're suffering from the disease to please? Here are a few symptoms, and I'd love to hear yours over on my Facebook or my Instagram page. Let's go to symptom number one. You say yes when you want to scream, no way, instead of putting your priorities first, which are pretty important, you put someone else's. You believe if you try to please regardless of your own agenda, you'll be viewed as helpful, you'll be well-liked, you'll be dependable, and most of all, you'll be loved. Here's a quick cure. When you say no way, it's a form of saying, I love you, I believe in you, you can do it by yourself. Here's symptom two. Your agenda is never followed or considered. Before you commit to pleasing others, you don't take time to consider how saying yes will affect your well-being. When others are aware you have the disease to please, they know they have you wrapped around their little finger and disregard your agenda because theirs is always the priority. No one is going to stand up for your agenda except you. Here's a quick cure for this. Ask yourself questions before committing like, will saying yes mean longer hours at the office? Will saying yes mean I don't get to finish the things I need to do? 
will saying yes cost me something I can't afford to lose? Let's look at symptom number three. Once everyone is taken care of, you'll be happy and you can finally rest. With this symptom, it feels like someone always needs help and there's no rest for the weary and you will take care of everyone. You believe that if they are happy, then you'll be happy. If you're so busy taking care of others, you don't think about your self-care regime or you don't have the energy to do something good for yourself. All you want after taking care of everyone is your bed. Here's a quick cure. Give yourself permission to stop. Don't wait for someone else to tell you to slow down. Practice a mantra I like. I have stopped. I am still while actually sitting still. Symptom four, you lose your voice. Here's a true story. I was visiting family recently. I went out after putting my cousin's kids to bed, but the kids didn't really want to go to bed. So my cousin tells the kids, Auntie Vidya will make pancakes for breakfast if you go to bed. They go to bed, of course. I woke up first with the kids and they tell me what their daddy said about me making pancakes. I don't want to make pancakes. I don't even know if he had the right ingredients. I felt bad, but I told the kids no pancakes. I told them I was way too tired, I didn't feel like cooking and that their daddy should have checked with me and if they wanted pancakes, they should go ask their daddy. But sometimes you're afraid to say what you really want to say because you're afraid it will displease others. Instead, you go with the flow and inside you're sad. You're not getting what you want. If only you could find your voice. Here's a quick cure. Get brave by realizing your emotions and then share them. Say them out loud. It's a starting point. That Saturday morning, I knew I had very little energy and I was in no mood to clean sticky fingers and faces. I told my cousin's kids how I felt. This taught them honesty and I'm laughing because it also taught them the phrase throwing someone under the bus means. As a working mom or woman, think of all the people in your life that you try to please, like your children, your significant other, your manager, your co-workers, your neighbors, your daycare, the PTO, and even the cashier who's having a bad day. Can you think of a time you suffered from the disease to please? Was there a quick cure that you could have used to snap out of it? Being a people pleaser is also a double-edged sword. There's guilt if you say no, resentment if you say yes. But I'd like to add that there's another price to people pleasing. I think it's a form of manipulation. This doesn't mean that you should be nice or helpful and friendly. The difference is that people pleasers depend on the acceptance and validation of others. It's what I call the disease to please or people pleaseritis. When we habitually try to satisfy other people's needs above our own, it's most likely an anxiety management system. We're managing our own anxiety that people won't like us by trying to control their opinion of us. When we recognize that this behavior stems from a sense of worth, 
based on another person's approval, I believe we can make small changes to self-correct it, first by mastering a graceful yet effective no thanks. Let's have a quick Q&A to get to the bottom of people-pleasing and the techniques to cope with people-pleaser-itis. First, let's talk about what is this disease and how does this phenomenon manifest in people. The disease to please is an insidious habit that will turn you into a lying human bag of resentment. But before getting into what it is, let's cover what it's not. It's not the quality of being a thoughtful, empathic person who cares about other people's needs or emotional well-being. That's compassion and kindness, and obviously those are positive traits to possess. The disease part comes in when you prioritize the needs of others at your own expense. It's when you say yes to things, but inside you're screaming no. Someone with the disease to please, a people pleaser, will smile and say, Oh, yes, sure, I'd happy to pick you up from the airport on Friday. But the day that they have to do it, they wake up thinking, Why'd I say yes to this? I knew I didn't really want to do this. Now my whole day is cut short because I have to sit in rush hour traffic. This friend is so freaking entitled and could easily have taken an Uber. Why did she even put me in this position? And she'd better be grateful. The people pleaser will assume that some sort of debt has been created, which the friend will later have to reciprocate. Spoiler alert! The friend will not be grateful and probably won't reciprocate in exactly the way that you want. Where does the disease to please come from? It's easy to indulge in the idea that people pleasers are extra caring, civically minded, generous do-gooders. Someone might think, I say yes because I'm nice or I'm flexible or I'm easy because I care about people's feelings and I have a huge heart. But there's only one true reason we contort ourselves to other people's expectations. We want their praise, their acceptance, and their love. It feels so good. The opposite, their displeasure, feels awful. It feels like death. When we put it that way and see people pleasing for what it is, a form of manipulation, it doesn't seem so lovely anymore. It's not pleasing them, and it's not pleasing you. Why does this disease seem to affect women more than men? Well, you've probably noticed that men seem to have an easier time saying no, being blunt, and communicating more directly without apologizing. It may be linked to biology, specifically our ancient hardwired reactions to stress. Thanks to our subcortical brain, men and women deal with stress differently. We all have an instinctual fight-or-flight response to perceived danger. It's how we survived as a species. Under threat, you either fight or flee. This response is universal to both men and women. Women, however, have an extra trick up their sleeve. Another more sophisticated response to stress. Thanks to the pioneering research of Shelley Taylor, PhD, and her team at UCLA, 
We know that more women are more likely to seek out friends and support when under stress. This is a behavior that she calls tend and befriend. Fighting or fleeing, it turns out, might have had less adaptive benefit for women who were responsible for taking care of young and vulnerable children. In fact, millions of years later, nurturing is still more valued quality in women than men. According to a 2017 Pew Research Center study recently, empathy, nurturing, kindness, ranked as the second most valued trait in women. But it is number seven in men. So tend and befriend is no longer just a biological trait. It's an enduring societal pressure. If you want to be liked or safe from anxieties, real or imagined, you'd better be nice. How important is it to learn to say no? And how do you do it? Well, learning to say no graciously is one of the most important skills a person can learn. It's actually far more kind to be honest than it is to say yes with irritation and resentment lurking behind it. It also carries a lot more integrity. The hardest thing for people pleasers to internalize is that they're actually lying all the time. In order to build your no muscle, Try these three key steps. Number one, find what I call the yuck. Find the yuck. That's right, you heard me right. Yuck is a very technical psychological term, haven't you heard? Harvard psychologist Dr. Robert Keegan has an approach to behavioral change that helps you uncover hidden commitment to self-defeating behavior. Here's how it works. Imagine yourself doing the opposite of throwing around yeses like a drunken sailor. Instead, recall the time you agreed to do something you didn't want to do. Instead of saying yes, imagine that you say no and quickly decline the invitation or request. What would be yucky about doing that? What would you imagine is going to happen that you're afraid of? Don't intellectualize it. Identify what your visceral emotional response is, what I call that yucky feeling. Most likely, it's along the lines of, they'll be mad at me, they'll think I'm selfish, they won't think I'm a nice person. Positive relationship with others are the cornerstone of our well-being. It's no surprise that those are powerful driving fears. Acknowledging that fear and not love is behind your yes is very helpful. Number two, turn the mirror on yourself. You're so concerned that people are going to be upset with you, but you're already annoyed at them for putting you out. All the dislike, resentment, and irritation you've decided they'll feel toward you, you're already feeling toward them, and they haven't died. Can you believe that they're still alive? And if you can survive your secret rage, you can survive theirs. Number three is what I call de shouldify. Lamenting that you have to do something is always a fiction. We never actually have to do anything. There's always a consequence to our behavior. But as an adult, you have the freedom to choose. Give your overactive superego a rest. 
Instead of saying, I should go to this, tell yourself the truth about whether you truly want to or not. So go ahead and try it. Now that you've been truthful with yourself, isn't it time to be truthful with others? With a more definitive and an unapologetic yet kind no. If you'd like scripts to help you phrase that, check out The Ultimate Guide to Saying No to one of my favorite women, Marie Forleo. It's brilliant. Here are a few gems from Marie. Actually saying no is an act of kindness. It's an act of kindness to yourself as well as the people around you. Think about it. Do you want to go for coffee with a mentor who's stretched to the max and resentful? Do you want your star employee to stay silent if she's drowning under too many projects? Of course not. You want the people you care about to be happy and sane. Those people must also include you. Saying no doesn't limit your opportunities either. It opens you up to the right ones. Challenge yourself to reframe no into an act of kindness. Here are a few word-for-word word scripts that can help you with a few scenarios. Here's a great example on how you can say no to a friend. You are already stretched and overcommitted. If you've been asked to babysit, move boxes, or contribute to a bake sale, you can say, I have to pass on this one. I've been burning the candle at both ends and promised myself I wouldn't take on any more commitment until I had a chance to rest and get my energy back on track. And here's why it works. It's simple, truthful, and clear. Here's another gem from Marie. How to say no to people who want to pick your brain. My goodness, I get this one a lot. Ask what they really want. People usually want to pick your brain because they need something. You can save time and still be helpful by simply asking what they want. My work schedule is so full, so breakfast, lunch, or coffee is not doable these days. Are you interested in becoming a client or do you have a quick question? And here's again why it works. This reply forces them to get clear about what they want from you. If they're interested in becoming a customer, you can direct them to your sales material. If they have a question, this gently reminds them to be more mindful of your time. Here's the last one that I recently have been faced with and I had a great difficulty saying no. And this is how you say no for request for collaboration or promotion. The only time you should ever promote something is because you genuinely believe in it. Trust from your audience takes a long time to build. So never recommend products out of loyalty, obligation, and especially out of guilt. If someone asks you to promote their work or collaborate, but you're not interested, here's an ironclad reason you can use. You didn't seek it yourself. You can use the script to decline the request while still cheering them on. Thanks for thinking of me. This sounds like a fantastic idea and I'll be cheering you on, but I'm not able to promote. I have a policy not to promote things unless I seek them out myself or if I've seen results firsthand. Congratulations again, and I wish you tremendous success with so-and-so. And here's why it works. 
Citing a personal policy shows that it's not about them. It's about protecting the trust that you've built with your audience. And by the way, if you find that you actually do want to say yes, please don't complain about whatever it is that you're committed to. And do accommodate others with joy and love. What about letting go of others' opinions of you? In theory, letting go of other people's opinions of you is easy. But when you're face-to-face with a friend who asks you to help her raise money for their new nonprofit, or your mother raises her eyebrows and cocks her head in that ever-so-subtle way she does, theory becomes real and hard. The most important thing to remember is that you can never control people's thoughts or feelings about you. You think you can, but it's always their thoughts about your behavior that make them feel an emotion. They can choose to think thoughts that make them feel hurt or thoughts that can make them feel completely neutral. Or let's dream a little here. Thoughts that increase their respect for you. But think about it. Do you really want other people trying to control your opinions and feelings about them? Not really, right? The only thing that you control is how you show up in the world. What values do you want to guide your behavior? Like honesty, love, integrity, authenticity, courage, excellence, respect, industry, self-acceptance, trust, curiosity, or adventure. Living life driven by values requires saying no to that which is not in alignment with your priorities. Other people are allowed to have an opinion, obviously. But if your relationship with yourself is rock solid, it is far easier to weather the storm. So, what advice would I give someone who's trying to overcome this behavior? Breaking the habit of people-pleasing can be challenging. Here are a few tips I recommend for new initiatives into the No Thanks Club. Stall, but only for 24 hours. So, for one month, make a rule waiting 24 hours before you say yes or no to anything. Use this time to buffer, not to think too deeply, but to ask yourself, You, the right now, who's thinking about doing it in the future, the you in the future who's actually having to do it, whether it's in alignment with your values, if the future you is willing to give up that time and energy, then go for it. Remember, you always have a choice. So, let's strike should from our vocabulary and replace it with could. Instead of, should I volunteer at my son's school? Correct yourself and say, I could volunteer at my son's school. Now, you get to ask yourself the real questions. Is volunteering at a school the best use of my time and talents? Is saying yes motivated by values or by my fear of not keeping up with all the other uber moms? It's important to change your mindset. All lasting behavioral change is an expression of a change in mindset. If you believe that people-pleasing is a way of being nice and making people happy, you will slip back into the impulsively saying yes. But if you acknowledge that people-pleasing is a form of dishonesty used to manipulate how other people feel, particularly how they feel about you, 
it will become easier to do things differently. And if you do say yes, I'd be happy to, and really mean it, you will like yourself and other people so much more. And finally, I'd like to take a moment to share the Ten Commandments of People Pleasing from Dr. Brekier's phenomenal book, The Disease to Please. Number one, I should always do what others want, accept, or need of me. Number two, I should take care of everyone around me, whether they ask for help or not. Number three, I should always listen to everyone's problems and try my best to solve them. Number four, I should always be nice and never hurt anyone's feelings. Number five, I should always put other people first before me. Number six, I should never say no to anyone who needs or requests something of me. Number seven, I should never disappoint anyone or let others down in any way. Number eight, I should always be happy and upbeat and never show any negative feelings to others. Number nine, I should always try to please other people and make them happy. And number 10, I should try never to burden others with my own needs or problems. Can you relate to most or all of these? If so, you, my friend, are most likely a full-fledged people-pleaser and you need help. This constant shitting on yourself is a toxic practice. While you think you excel at making other people happy, what you're actually doing is making yourself miserable and inadequate. In fact, to say people-pleasers, while aspiring to be as nice as they can be, fail miserably when it comes to being nice to themselves. Plus, the habit of people-pleasing doesn't necessarily make others think that you're a nice person anyway. In fact, being around someone who's always putting others' needs before their own can be annoying and downright irritating. So even if you move mountains to make other people feel comfortable and you are as nice as you can be, they may actually be repelled by your actions and end up not liking you. The exact opposite effect what you were initially striving for by being so damn nice in the first place. In this fabulous book, there's an entire chapter called It's Okay Not to Be Nice, which will both shock and hopefully soothe you. Perhaps this was a lesson we learned from good old Sandra D in the movie Grease. I might be dating myself here a bit, but it was my all-time favorite movie as a little girl. The story goes something like this. Good girl, acting all virtuous and people-pleasing, gets walked all over. And then, realizing this doormat approach to life is a real bummer, flips overnight into a spandex-wearing, high-heeled, toting, red-lipstick-clad, smoking vixen that gets all the respect she's always wanted. And the man, if John Travolta is considered a must-have. I'm not suggesting that you follow Sandra Dee's footsteps. I'm guessing she regretted the smoking habit later on and perhaps dating Mr. Travolta. What I do think makes sense, though, is to find a balance between nice and embracing your inner biatch. I highly recommend reading The Disease to Please so you can learn how to stop the people-pleasing habit 
and become the incredibly strong, confident woman that you want to be who doesn't care too much about what anyone else thinks of her. I'm guessing you'll feel a whole lot lighter and freer to be yourself. I would also wager a bet that you might even have some extra time to do an activity that you really enjoy. And that's the show, folks. Thank you so much for listening through all the way to the end of this episode about the disease to please, or what I'd like to call people-pleaser-itis. So I hope this episode has been helpful to you. If it's been valuable to you, all I request is that you share this episode with three friends over the next 60 minutes. So you help spread the message. You'll help a lot of people. You'll help me share my message. So together we build a better world. I think the messengers are so powerful and we want to get them out there. Secondly, a lot of people ask me about my emotional release programs. Where's the information? If it feels right to you and you're interested in the details, go on over to naturally-happy.com. That's naturally, N-A-T-U-R-A-L-L-Y, happy.com and you'll find all the information of my programs the five pathways to happiness I'd love to be an instrument of service to your transformation and if it feels right to you and you are ready for the real changes and real progress go to naturallyhappy.com and remember it's your time I love you a lot and I'll see you on the next episode if you have any questions, please email me at vidya, V-I-D-Y-A, at naturally-happy.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at dr.guru.vidya. In peace, love, and gratitude. Till next time.